Stan Richo, Satyar Shaw coming to you from the Mobile Kintech Studio. We are live on location for the Canucks Dice and Ice event. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. If you want to be a part of the Dice and Ice Gala, you can head over to Canucks.com slash auction to make your bids on all of the fantastic prizes they have available right now uh, in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund, of course. It's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. So as much as the Canucks have been um, in a lot of areas better under Rick Tockett, you know, it's, yeah. it's something that it's kind of hard to not notice. You know, they, mm-hmm. they have had their blow-up games, of yeah. course, Detroit, Seattle. Issues. And they're still giving up a ton of goals, and sometimes, you know, they're giving up you know, really easy ones. Goals yeah. that the goalies have absolutely no chance on. At the same time, um, you know, there there is some context to all of that. And I don't know if we should totally dismiss all of the good the Canucks have been doing. Yeah, I mean, and, and the good is obviously all, always within context. Yeah. Right? The, the context of it being some of the opponents haven't been great. You're playing teams that view you as the lower levels in the NHL, you're not going to always get the team's best efforts type of deal, and there's been some scorey fix in play. The Rangers definitely didn't feel like they were playing at 100% yesterday. The Devils, too, we saw coming back from the All-Star game, maybe just some kind of malaise coming off the break or whatever. But nonetheless, the Canucks have played better, right? And all we can do is judge them on what they put on ice. Mm-hmm. We can give the context of who they played. You don't even need us to give you context. You guys watch the games. You see yep. the schedule. We don't always have to preface it. It's against weak competition. Everyone knows who they played these nine games. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, you know, like, hello. Like, it's clear <laughs> what we're talking about here. But regardless, all we can do is judge what we've seen through these nine games. And if you, if you do kind of take a step back and look at it from when a game's close within a goal. Because people yep. say, hey, the Canucks have been trailing in some of these games and yada, yada. So within one goal, the Canucks are not as good as they've been by the overall metrics, but they're still top half of the league. Mm-hmm. And if you start looking at some of their uh, high-danger scoring chance differentials, you look at their expected goals, they're in that 10 to 13 range. And even in the shot differential, they're a bit higher on that range. So I think there are things they've improved. The biggest issue is save percentage 80%. During that stretch, stretch wow. within close eighty percent, dead last in the league, eighty percent at five one at even strength. That's and and, and and listen, they do make a lot of mistakes, but it's clear the cold thing is not helping out. It hasn't been helping out. Uh, we we're gonna dissect this uh, a, a little bit more, but that number is uh, pretty staggering when you hear it because uh, that's uh, quite the low save percentage to say the least. Uh, it is uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here on Canuck Central. We are live at uh, the Dyson Ice event, and joining us uh, tableside here is uh, Vasily Podkolzin uh, of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, thanks for this, Vasily. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, it's uh, something new for me. Like, yeah, it should, should, be, should be good. We'll we'll, we'll pr- we'll not, we'll, we won't be too difficult with you, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are you? Uh, it's, been, uh, it's been an interesting season, but how are you feeling after these uh, first few games back up with the big club? Yeah, yeah I feel, uh, feel good. I uh, feel more comfortable. Uh, yeah, uh, happy to be back. Uh, happy to see you guys, uh, uh, staff, and new coaches again. Like, yeah, that's a big challenge for me. And um, yeah, just uh, keep working. I, I know you worked very hard in Abbotsford, and talking yeah. to people there, they said you had the right mentality. You were there every day, working yeah. hard. You you took advice really well. You yeah. worked very well with the coaches. How satisfying is it to put that work in and be back here now? 
Ah, uh, that's uh, that's that's great feel because uh, you know, like when you when you're working hard every day, you're trying you're trying to think positive. Like, and uh, um, of course, you respect uh, coaches uh, and uh, staff in Abbotsford, uh, and uh, they they so helped me like like a mentality, like if uh, physically, like a, as a player, as a person as well. And uh, yeah, that's. Uh, that's that's a really good thing that I uh, called up and uh, <laughs> trying to tr- trying to show uh, good hockey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. H- how do you feel about your game right now and where it's at and how it's grown over the last year? Yeah, uh, I would like to say uh, that's that's hard season for me. The second one that's uh, really hard season, but it's I feel like I can be better. I know it, and uh, I could be better. Yeah, but uh, just that's uh, part of the big process uh, on the hard season mm-hmm. and uh yeah just uh, just last 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 uh, 30 games and here like uh we're gonna we're gonna play better well the new coach seems to like yeah. you a lot at least when he's uh talking to us he's uh, he's had a lot of good things to say about you you feel like uh rick Tockett can really help you get to the next step of your career yeah uh yeah i, I know that uh he, he can help me uh be be a good good initial player yeah i i, I believe it and uh uh, uh I'm, I'm happy that uh, I have an uh, opportunity to work with him. How much fun is it having Andre Kuzmenko on the team this year? <laughs> uh, I know he's yeah, standing it, here it, watching it's you talk. It's fun. It's funny guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's uh, we we talk in one language. Like that's uh, more easiest uh, for us. And uh, yeah, he's a great hockey player. Uh, funny guy. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's great. Has, has he got you some extra din- dinners after signing a new contract? Huh? Has he got, get you extra dinners since signing a new contract? We will. Yeah, we will. yeah, <laughs> we will for sure. Did he get a lot of chirps after uh, not finishing the great dangle he had last night? He hit the crossbar on that one. Ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, yeah. Again, <laughs> that's all. All this fun when he when he dancing with his puck like it. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a good one. How do you like Vancouver now? Are you uh, used to the city? Have, have you got to know it pretty well? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, it's my second year here, and uh, I'm really enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed it too. And uh, yeah, uh, we we went a couple months ago to the goal, mini golf, like mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, something like that. That yeah, that's a really nice city. I like it, and uh, yeah, I don't care about weather like too much. Like that's uh, that's a really good city for life. So you don't mind the rain? It's okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Like I, I lived in St. Petersburg for years before, and I like same weather, same weather. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, Vasily, we really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, yeah. Table side here. Enjoy the event yeah, tonight. Thank you so much. Eh? Right. Thank, uh, you. thank you, Vasily. There is uh, Vasily Podkolzin joining us here on uh, on Canuck Central, and uh, a fine job. Uh, not not used to doing the radio interviews. I, I didn't want to say it in front of him to come off patronizing, but his his English has come a long way. Yeah. it really has. Like he's like he he sat down, he was confident talking to us, and you know he he was getting his message across, and he's worked hard at it. Like the, you know the stuff that I heard from uh, talking to people in Abbotsford, it's not lip service. Yeah. Like the, the kid went in there with a mature attitude. He worked hard. He took guidance. He did everything they asked of him to do. And he's come here and he's, and he's showcasing that. Now, obviously, a lot more to learn. And there's a lot more he has to do to become the, the ultimate player that uh, he needs to be. But um, I saw a rip. Sorry. I think that was a rip. Was that a rip? That was definitely that a rip. That was a rip. I got, I got distracted. I'm he's, sorry. He is the... Uh... Can we interview Rip? I'm, I'm looking at Cam Bear, our producer. Can, can we talk to Rip? This isn't Airbud Sat, you know. I don't care. <laughs> this isn't uh, Secret Life of Pets. Uh, I don't know if we can interview Rip. 
I will say that the thing I love about coming to the Fairmont, though, they have the dog greeters. They're yes. Great. It's great to see the dogs. Uh, I saw one dog checking in when I got here today, actually. <laughs> I was uh, like, uh, tremendous. Is this, is this what's happening here right now? Okay. Uh, it's uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah here on, uh, on Canuck Central. Uh, it gives us an opportunity to sort of discuss uh, Vasily Podkolzin's first few games back up with the big club mm-hmm. now that we just talked with him. Um, you know, it started off really well. He got bumped up to the, the first line. Uh, you know, Rick Tockett bumped him down pretty quickly last yeah. night. But, uh, you know, that's also part of the process for a lot of these guys. It has been really encouraging. You've seen a more confident Vasily Podkolzin since coming back up from the AHL. Well, yeah, and a confidence, I, I'll never forget. I've mentioned this before, but... One of the things that Henrik Sedin always talked about, and I remember talking to him about confidence, he said, if you're prepared, you're going to be confident. You know, and, and a lot of confidence comes from that preparation, but also as a, as a young player, you also kind of need some guidance, right? Or just as a young person, you also need the affirmation and you know, the pat on the back every once in a while. And I think, obviously, they provided some of that for him. But I do think, just in general, um, he feels a lot more ready when he's playing. It looks like it. You know what I mean? And I think one of, some of the frustration organizationally with everything kind of going sideways was the guidance they were hoping for those players to get, especially put Coles and the younger guys, wasn't happening. Yeah. Right? And you kind of feel like a player is falling to the wayside to some degree with how things are kind of evolving. And I think that's kind of been part of the issue. And now you're looking at a player who's much more prepared in how he's playing. And I think there's confidence in knowing exactly what he needs to do and what the team expects from him. Uh, it's... Uh it is really impressive to see how much he's grown. And, and hey, we see sophomore seasons all the time kind of be uh, tough on guys. And, and Pods even said it himself uh, that uh, it can be difficult. Uh, and it has been difficult for him, but he's working through that. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think from the organization's perspective, they still expect him to come out and, and be even better for some of the struggles he's had this year. Well, yeah. And, I mean, that's part of the the progression a lot of these younger guys kind of go through. And I think it's good if, if it works out for the player to be better, he takes a step back, then you kind of move forward with it, right? And I think in, in this regard, it's helped him a lot. And just to kind of go back and get back to some of the basics, I think, as he mentioned, has, has helped him get go quite, quite a long way here with the new coach too. It is Canuck Central. We are uh, at the Fairmont Hotel Vancouver as uh, the Canucks Dyson Ice Gala is ongoing. You can be a part of uh, the online auction in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund. Check out Canucks.com slash auction to make your bids now. And joining us here tableside is uh, one of the newer Canucks. It's Anthony Beauvillier. Thanks for this, Anthony. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys? Uh, we're, doing, uh, we're doing pretty well. You getting acclimated to Vancouver yet? or? I am, I am. Uh, it's been uh, a couple of days here in Vancouver and uh, uh, excited to get to know the city a little bit more, but it's been uh, game day off game, so I haven't really had time to do anything. But uh, I've always enjoyed coming to Vancouver here as a visiting team, and now uh, getting to know Vancouver a little bit better is great. Yeah, and the big road trip uh, in your old stomping grounds there through uh, through New York. But I got to ask, did, did Kyle Burroughs help you get set up here in Vancouver? You guys played in Bridgeport together? Yeah, he and did. he's a local boy here. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he. Uh, uh, one of the first guys that texted me after uh, the trade happened, and uh, it definitely made my transition a little easier here. And you know, uh, from the airport, dropped me off in my new apartment. So he he's been great to me. Uh, what has it been like getting to know some of the guys on the team now that you guys had a trip together coming back home to to Vancouver, having some tough practices, mm-hmm. getting to know the guys a bit better now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you get to know the guys a little bit better when you like start competing yeah. with them and. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's been great. I mean, definitely a younger team here, and mm-hmm. 
I think everyone's been super welcoming and uh, I've enjoyed every second of it so far. What's it been like playing with Petey on the same line with him? Oh, man, he's such a smart and good player out there. He he does everything right and uh, defensively, offensively, and I'm mm -hmm. um, just trying to read off him and let him do his things and try to create uh, room for him on the ice. Mm -hmm. Some of his old teammates would call him the alien because he does like things that are out of this world. Can you kind of <laughs> see that now? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like uh, you know playing in the East, didn't really get to watch too, too mm -hmm. many of the – Canucks games, but uh, heard about him and you know seen highlights and and whatnot. And I always thought he was uh, one of the best in the league. And playing with him and seeing him day uh, day in day out, I feel like uh, um, he's definitely one of the best in the league. Just just seeing him, what he does on the ice, and like I said, day in and day out is really impressive to see. And uh, definitely uh, great to have. I have the chance to see him every day, so okay. it's it, it's great to learn from him too. Well, one of your best friends with the, with your former team, Matthew Barzell, obviously from these parts and one of the most talented players, fastest players in the league. So you've had a chance to play with some pretty incredible players and great players are not always the same, different styles. But what what is kind of similar about good players like that to play with them? And also what might be a little bit different about how do those two players are great? Well, they're similar in a way where they, uh, they, they, they're competitors, they want to win, mm -hmm. and they want to make the difference and uh, different in the style of play. But... I feel like great players, it's it's always the competitiveness and just the way they present themselves and the way they do things on the ice. And uh, I think Petey's got that in him as well. I mean, just um, things he does on the ice, uh, things he does off the ice. And it's just, uh, like I said, it's it's a chance for me to see him day in, day out. And even if he's younger than me, I still can learn from him a lot. What makes you, uh, like, when you're at your best, what does your game look like? Oh, I just feel like I play with instincts. I move my feet, and I work hard, and usually the rest kind of takes care of itself. But that um, that's usually the when I'm at my best, it's, uh, those are the three things that I usually do best. Well, we've heard Patrick Alvin talk about those things, and he mentioned in the postseason when uh, the Penguins played the Islanders, and he got a firsthand look at you having success and playing well in the postseason. And they view you as a guy that if everything works out, it could be a long-term fit here. Do you kind of feel like coming in, you understand what they want from you and how you may fit the vision of the team as well? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, they, they, they brought me in for a reason. And, um, you know, uh, I want to be at my best here. And uh, they're giving me the best opportunities to have success too. And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm trying to take advantage of of that and um, I want to be my best selves too and I want to be part of this plan plan this process and uh, yeah it's it's been great on both ways I feel like so far now this this might be a tough one to answer but uh, did you grow up a Bruins fan I did not know <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm gonna make a gonna make amends to that Wikipedia comment then okay <laughs> what's that well the, apparently on your Wikipedia page you grew up a Bruins fan oh so really that's what some it lies says. oh there. really yes. yeah there is there is <laughs> you can't trust accurate. Wikipedia that's why you gotta ask the person <laughs> yeah you see that's why we gotta yeah, ask no, the I question not. I mean from Montreal so I hated the Bruins when I grew up so so it might have been one of your buds that put that in there <laughs> yeah maybe maybe <laughs> well it's good you'll fit in here because they hate the Bruins in Vancouver as well <laughs> I'm sure they do <laughs> thanks a lot for this Anthony awesome guys thank you there is uh, Anthony Beauvillier joining us here on Canuck Central. And uh, despite what the Wikipedia page says, yes. not a Bruins fan. No, no, definitely not a Bruins fan. You see the look on his face like, Bruins fan? <laughs> no, man. Nah.
I got some serious cut eye right there. <laughs> He's like, no, definitely not a Bruins fan. <laughs> definitely not a Bruins fan. Fits right in to the market. Yeah. I uh, should have known uh, with uh, the Quebec boy. Uh, all right. It is uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. That was uh, Anthony Beauvillier. We're here at the Dyson Ice Canucks Gala. So hopefully uh, a few more Canucks will uh, stroll by tableside here. And Beauvillier, uh, you know, he's had uh, some, some good games and um, – you know, Rick Tockett really does see him as a fit mm-hmm. with with Elias Pettersson. Even talked a little bit about it today in his in his availability, but stressed again. He wants players that are going to play north south with Elias Pettersson, and that's um, you know, as as Bovillier just sort of described his game to us. You know, that's that's what makes him a good player. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because when you ask players about what makes you know the greats great. A lot of things are different for individual players, but also a lot of similarities, right? And the thing that people always mention, first of all, is work ethic. Mm-hmm. The, amount, the, the amount of work it takes to be that good. Not everybody is Mario Lemieux, right? Just steps in and kind of does his thing. Uh, and even he was legendary for how hard he worked in practice at times and everything. And, you know, it took some time to develop that. But we're talking about very much the exceptions. But all the other ones, it, it comes out to habits, which we've heard so much about, right? But for the guys to be that great, so much goes into it, you know, and... You could tell he's excited about the opportunity to be here to play with Pedersen, too, because he knows another year away. How, how much of a better chance do you have to really set yourself up for your no- next deal, whether it's here or elsewhere, than to play with a player like Elias Pedersen? Uh, Jeffro, with this comment, uh, Bovillier just went up a couple notches in my book after that comment. Uh, so uh, before Vasily Podkolzin and Anthony Bovillier uh, drop by tableside, we're getting more of the doggos running through. Oh, this is terrific. Oh, look at him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, always some good doggo content. Immediately sees Sat's face. Uh, get all doughy-eyed and oh, happy. Oh, so adorable. So, I, I got to say, man, we're going to break soon. Can I go say hi to the dogs? <laughs> we got a few minutes. <laughs> we got a couple minutes. All right. All right. Let's, let's, we'll, we'll churn out some more content. What else do you want? Uh, Are you going to talk about Bavillian? <laughs> we were talking about uh, the Canucks record there uh, within one goal and yeah. how they've got an 80 save percentage uh, during Tockett's tenure when they're within one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been problematic. And, you, you know, of course – like Ian mentioned, it's to reward Silovs to get a chance to play and, and everything. But if during these eight games prior to last night, the save percentage wasn't dead last in the NHL, despite playing better comparatively to earlier in the season, you're still making mistakes, but not to the same degree as before. And the goaltending is even worse mm-hmm. than it was. I can understand what the organization said. No more. Like We can't. Like, sure, yeah. we don't mind losing, but... Like, this is just ridiculous. Well, you want an environment that is able to give you the best chance to really to really take note of what the squad is. And you're not getting that because, you know, whether it was the way they were playing before with not the structure they were looking for and all these different types of things, now you're starting to get a little bit more of that, but you can't get a save behind these guys. That hurts, and that, mm-hmm. that really makes it that much more difficult to diagnose all of the things you need to do with this roster. So I, I totally get it. You want to get, like, at least get close to league average goaltending. Yes. At the old, end of the day, yes. Or we bad, all, yeah. just not league worst. Right. It, you want to be able to, like, have a squad that's not worried about every mistake they make 
going in the back of their net. Yeah, and, and I, you know, we pushed back on a lot of the goalie narratives earlier this season because it, it was just so bad. It's like when, when this team is giving up chances, when they're dead last in the yeah. league and, uh, and scoring chance differential, high danger scoring chances, and you start looking at the breakdowns, and it's like, well, how are you going to blame the goalies when that's the environment they're playing in? But now that the, when the environment has at least somewhat improved and we kind of went through the numbers, and this is just very also, you know, I do want to caveat it by saying it. We do push back against some of these rudimentary metrics because they don't tell the, the full data. picture. The public data doesn't tell you everything you need to know. But it's a general guideline. It's a general guideline that we've been citing throughout the season uh, in addition to all the other things that we have. And even on when we asked Kevin Woodley yesterday who has access to clear size analytics and he said yeah i mean it's been you know we keep the context in mind but it has improved over these eight camps it is a better environment and when the environment is better but you're getting the worst goaltending we've seen all season from any team during this stretch like you can understand the frustration organizationally and why we saw Artur Sidlov's play but because I, I don't think at all the plan was for him to play in february yeah, it, it, and it, it was a surprise for everybody to see Silovs get the call up. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are asking us about Thatcher Demko, who um, left after about 20 minutes of practice today. Rick Tockett downplayed all of that. Um, also, Oliver ekman Larson uh, went for an x-ray. Uh, Rick Tockett was sort of coy on uh, the injury and the severity of it. Uh, but uh, he is, as of right now, not expected to play on Saturday. But beyond that, we don't know the extent of an Oliver ekman Larson injury. Curtis Lazar continues to be day-to-day after he left last night's game as well. So still uh, some undetermines on those situations right now for the Vancouver mm-hmm. Canucks. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, we will uh, take the break. We're here at the Dyson Ice Gala. Hopefully going to have some more Canucks stop by Tableside and continue that through hour number two of the show. It is Sportsnet 650. Breaking down the biggest trends in hockey, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hour number two of Canuck Central. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. We come to you from the mobile Kintech studio. We're here at the Dice and Ice Gala in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund. You can be a part of the gala with the online auction bid on players' baskets, signed memorabilia, unforgettable experiences, and much more. Visit Canucks.com slash auction to make your bids now. Uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. There has been a uh, lot of discussion. And, you know, we're in that stage, Sat, where two weeks out from the NHL trade deadline, there's obviously going to be a lot going on in the rumor mill for the Canucks. The rumor mill has been quite busy Mm -hmm. all season long. Frank Saravalli was a guest on the morning show, talked uh, more about Brock Besser and continued potential interest in him around the league. Also, that interest around Nils Hoaglander could be growing around the league as well. So uh, it seems as though the rumor mill is alive and well around the Vancouver Canucks. What are you hearing? So... You know, I know Sarah Valley mentioned a lot of these things, and, and everything that he's kind of talked about is stuff that uh, is what you're hearing when you're talking to people around the league. Is you know, Vancouver's very aggressive, or they have been very open to a better trade. Do you want to do other things as well? The only question w- was, 
how likely are you to get some of those things done, right? And I'd say from my discussions with people, and I spoke to somebody from a different team, that, that kind of said that we all know what Vancouver wants. It's clear. Like what Vancouver wants for Shen and what Vancouver wants for Brock Besser. It's just a holding pattern until somebody comes and meets that. And obviously that hasn't happened yet. And with Shen, it'll happen. You know, whether it's somebody meets their price or we get closer to the deadline and the Canucks say, we'll take a bit less than we want to make the deal because we're not going to let him walk for nothing type of deal. So I think that's where we're at with Shen. With everything else, I think it's, you know, I hate saying it because it, it seemed like things got going again. <laughs> we're kind of in the holding pattern, waiting, waiting things out. And I don't think there's a pressure point for any team to pounce. Like, what's the... What's the desperation for a team to go, to go get Luke Shen today on February 16th for a depth defenseman or third pair defenseman or perhaps even somebody who helps them a bit higher? But yeah. what you need him for the playoffs. What the, team needs to make that deal today? The only way you really need to do it is if maybe you get an injury. Yeah, and right? maybe and that, that happens. forces your hand. Yeah, maybe that's something that has to happen. Maybe that that is. But outside of that. One of the one of the things um, about the deadline as well is, mm-hmm. you know, teams in general. Part of the problem around the league is, you have a lot of teams that have their playoff place already mm-hmm. set in stone. Especially yeah. the Eastern Conference. At I mean, everybody knows where they're going to end up being. Everybody knows where their lay in where they uh, their lay of the land is in the standings, mm-hmm. and it's not going to change much way one or the other. And that's part of the problem, and with the holdup as well around the trade season, not just with the Canucks, but everyone around the league. Well, I mean, just look around the league. There's, there's been a lot of movement happening, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, like I, I was making the joke earlier, I mean, the third biggest move that's happened in the NHL this year is Jacob Chikram getting healthy scratched. <laughs> like, really? Like, that's the most talked about move outside yeah. of the Horvat trade and Tarasenko trade. Yeah. You know, there's been other moves, but they're minor trades. The Canucks have been at the thick of it. But there's nothing happening around the league right now. Like, it's kind of quiet. And as much as, you know, th- there might be some movement from certain players to get stuff going, I don't think they're at that stage yet you know and that's why ultimately there's one trade to be done mm-hmm. anything more than that i don't know like it's it's going to come down to what team is going to be desperate what's going to actually happen by that point and i'm not sure that's going to be the case like i, I think a lot of these players are going to have to wait until the off season. yeah you know and I, I just think that's the reality of where this team kind of finds itself right now and you know who's desperate enough not too many teams in the Eastern Conference are desperate. Uh, you're, you're hearing a lot of voices in the background. Uh, there's uh, about the entire Canucks roster waiting for an elevator right now here at the Dyson Ice Gala as uh, they head off to do a corporate uh, event with, uh, in partnership with the uh, Dyson Ice Gala and, of course, uh, in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund. So that's, uh, that's what was just happening uh, there right now with all the uh, – noise going on in the background if you are so wondering while you are listening to Canucks Central. We hope to have more Canucks later on this hour stopping tableside when they are done with those duties. Uh, so on that front, you know, there, there is you know, a lot of speculation around the league. You know, one team that, that does kind of interest me as to what might they be up to and they're really hard to get a read on, but this text... What do you think about Carolina looking for a player with term? And they've said that their first-round pick could be in play for the right player, but they won't do it for a rental. They'd only yeah. do it for a player with term. That's a team I find interesting because they are looking – I think they're looking for a player like on the high end you know, to really put their roster over the top. 
And I think that might more be a, a Timo Meyer type than it would be you know, something potentially on the Canucks roster. Yeah, and the question with Meyer would also be like, what it would what would it cost to get him signed? That also plays into the equation. But you get him, you can As worry a about ten next million year. dollar qualifying yeah. offer. But they're a team that could just qualify him too because they have so much cap space next season. Yeah. So I think they could just make that deal and worry about it later and know they have him for at least two years this year and next season. And he would fit really what they need in terms of another goal scorer and a power winger. I mean, because Svechnikov is really good, but he's not quite that, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of what Meyer is. And I think that's what they're looking for. They were hoping for him to kind of explode and become that, you know, big time 30 to 40 goal scorer. And that just hasn't happened. He's more of a playmaker, too. And I wonder, though, if they can put him in different positions to use his shot. But regardless, I don't think as good as Svechnikov is. He hasn't become the all-out goal scorer they, were, they had to kind of hope. So I think they're looking for that. And to answer the question on Miller... I mean, like Elliot mentioned, they're a team that did call on him earlier. And like I mentioned before, I think he, you know, Vancouver's going to listen. Mm-hmm. If you call on anybody outside of Patterson and Hughes, they'll listen. Doesn't mean they'll like what, what they hear. Doesn't mean they'll, they'll go beyond that conversation. But yeah, can you offer something Vancouver wants? What did Vancouver want before? A good prospect and a pick. Yeah. Do you give a good prospect and a pick? Or do you have a player that's young enough or fits the profile Vancouver would want to consider? I don't know if Carolina has that. So are they willing to trade a set Jarvis? Are they willing to trade a high draft pick to make that happen? I have some questions about that, ultimately, um, especially at this stage of the season. Yeah. But that's the type of team to look at in the offseason, especially, that could be motivated to go after a player like JT. And a team like Carolina, do you value the first-round pick as much as potentially one of their prospects, Sat? Yeah. You, you pointed out a uh, chart from Byron Bader, who does uh, some great prospect work on Twitter mm-hmm. and it's the hit rates by draft position and when you see it like in your mind you know how the draft works and how unlikely it is to hit on a player big time especially after the first round but even just to hit on a star player outside of the top five it's also staggering to see the percentages on that chart and that's you know speaks to quite a bit as to why Patrick Alvine valued the Islanders first rounder so much in comparison to what he may have been discussing with other teams what you're talking about a a pick that could potentially be a top five pick and even you look at some of the metrics and to keep in mind what Bader is citing is skaters drafted between 1990 and 2014 and the reason they're not including 2015 and beyond is you like to have about almost a decade close Mm -hmm. to a decade of of sample after a draft to really get a good sense of who's played, how long, how much have you played, and where is it kind of trending towards. So that's why you need the greater sample for it. But this is so it's for a 24-year period. So basically the value of a – the chance of a pick between 6 to 10 to be an NHLer is 78%. Yeah. The chance of a pick 11 to 20 to be an NHLer is 63%, mm-hmm. almost 64%. That's just to play in the NHL. Yeah. So – you know, relatively significant, like a 15% difference in a guy playing in the NHL between being a 6-10 to 10 pick and being an 11-20 pick. But here's where there isn't a, a, huge, uh, a huge difference is when you start looking at um, whether these players become stars. Like right now, um, pick 6-10 to 10 and picks 11-20, to 20, there's a chance, there's about an equal amount of chance. Like if you pick 6-10, to 10, there's a 12%, 13% chance you're going to yeah. be a star player. If you're picked 11-20, to 20, there's an... 11.5% chance you're a star player. So we're talking about a 1.5% difference. Of becoming a star, picking from 6 to 20. From 6 to 10 and 10 to 
10 to 20. So a uh, and, and to clarify uh, how they judge a star player on this chart, 200 plus games and a 0.7 career points per game if you're a forward and if you're a defenseman a 0.45 career points per game. And so now, top 6 forward, top 4 defenseman essentially. Yeah. And that's that's how you are sort of describing a star player. Yeah. A one and a half percent difference, six to ten or eleven to twenty, and that's essentially what the Canucks banked on with that first round pick. And it really tells a story of you know, how devalued picks can be beyond you know the top twenty and even exactly. the top fifteen uh, of the NHL draft. Uh, and not that you know they aren't valuable picks; they are. But it's like there is a clear tier or several tiers (laughs) on the ladder of where you go when you're drafting 20 and after between uh, 10 and 20 even. For sure. And the lesson here is what Alvin wanted to avoid is a pick in the 20s. Yeah. Right? Because he wanted to do better than that. Yeah, he wanted to do better than a pick in the 20s because 20 is the cutoff, right? If you have the 20th pick, again, it comes to 11.5% chance the guy becomes a star. But once you go down from that, that's when the percentages go down a bit more dramatically. You're talking about less than 10% chance now, under 9% chance a player is going to be a star player if you're picking outside of 21 mm-hmm. to 20, right? So getting this pick from the Islanders ensures the Canucks are getting a top 20 pick, or at least a very good chance you're getting a top 20 pick, which is something you couldn't have gotten from other teams. And considering what we heard from uh, Sean Gentile uh, speaking to Don Waddell from The Athletic, and Waddell mentioned the Canucks were after the highest draft pick, now you can understand by the numbers why they were after it in terms of giving yourself a chance to find that star player. Um, This text, uh, there's always just uh, constant interest in JT Miller, uh, but have you discussed Sarah Valley's report that there Uh are teams that have discussed internally the possibility of trading for JT Miller? Uh, We've talked about it, Sat. You reported uh, now uh, a little while ago last week that, you know, the Canucks wouldn't be completely opposed to trading JT Miller. It's just about whether or not a team from elsewhere is going to meet the valuation of what the Canucks have for a player of JT Miller's caliber. And there's been this notion that JT Miller's contract is completely untradeable. I've never really bought it because I still view JT as a really good hockey player. Well, yes. And um, does the contract make him easily tradable no obviously it throws a bit of a speed bump onto the road but you know we're still talking about a guy playing at a near point per game pace this year well yeah and he's and showing again that he can still play center since rick tockett took over these not last nine games he has been considerably better and also there's been a lot of concern about face-offs for vancouver because yeah they traded bo horvat who's you know very proficient mm-hmm. uh in the draw but haven't noticed his absence in the draw well, all that much. No, I mean, so their save percentage on the PK has, I mean, their face-off percentage on the PK has gone down relatively. I mean, they were in the 40s, they were like 46%. I think they're down to 43%. I think um, when it comes to overall face-offs, they've been kind of static. But where it becomes interesting is Lazar and JT Miller have both improved significantly. Lazar is actually at over 54% on his face-offs since the, t- since, uh, the coaching change was made. And... JT Miller is at about 55% for his face-offs mm-hmm. since that point. 
they're doing okay, right? Yeah. And Elias Patterson even has gone from he was about 44, 45%, roughly 44% for the season, and he's up to 47% almost under Rick Tockett. So they have improved in the circle a bit. It's about the same it was before. Yeah. Uh, for context, Bo has a slightly lower faceoff percentage in New York than JT currently has with Vancouver over the course of this little time since the trade was made. So, you know, to kind of mention that point. So, yeah, he can win draws. He can play center. Is it long-term the position that's best for him? No, right? Right. Yeah. But it's something he's, he is capable of doing. I'm with you. I don't think it's a tr- contract that's untradeable. You can trade it. The question just comes down to what value do you want? And mm-hmm. I know people would just want the Canucks to get rid of this contract, but they value him. And as much as I've said, yeah, they'll listen, they don't want to give him away. Like, they value JT. And again, to your point, they feel like he can be a top-two center. They feel like he can be a point-per-game player that can help carry the team team at times. They believe in a lot of things that he can provide. They don't view him as a negative asset. And for somebody to come and take him off Vancouver's hands, they're going to have to give Vancouver something, similar to what they wanted from him last year. Now, maybe not to the same degree. Let's say that the package they wanted was 100. Mm -hmm. Maybe they would settle at 90% of that now, potentially. Yeah. Right? Depending on. But I don't think they're willing at all to just move the player for the sake of moving him. They feel like he's he's a big-time player for him. That that's going to be a very productive. Then they're not going to give that away just for the sake of giving it away. The uh, the thing that I, I keep coming back to when it – not just, you know, JT, but a, a, any Canucks player and the trade market in general, you know, how busy could the trade market be this summer given that the free agent pool is going to be pretty empty? Right, well, that, like assuming Dylan Larkin signs, you're not going to have really any top level uh, forwards or centers for sure on the free agent market. 100, percent and that's why, like, when we look at Besser, we look at even Garland and these players, and the reason why the team isn't just looking to give these guys away is that the landscape could be different in the off season. Mm-hmm. Not to say that's going to be significantly better, but l- let's say, for instance, that right now, for you to move Brock Besser, you're going to have to retain $1.5 million, mm-hmm. potentially take a contract back, and you're getting a second round pick out of it at the end of the day. Yeah. Could you maybe get a second plus in the off season when teams don't have players to sign in free agency? Yeah. And teams are going to be more ambitious, potentially, to look to make moves, and all of a sudden now you have some possibilities. So if you know that you can get a set price that's slightly higher in the offseason, why settle for it less now? And I think that's part of the, the issue here because if you just look at mm-hmm. the free agent list for next year, and what, five out of the top six are just re-signing with their teams? Three yep. are Boston Bruins, one's Dylan Larkin. Ryan O'Reilly is out there, but he's not the player he once was. Uh, Max Pacioretty's had two Achilles surgeries now. I mean, what kind of player will he be when he's able to return? You're talking about a very lean list of players, of a lean list of top six hopefuls on the free agent market. So could there be more of a trade market in the summer because of that? I think it's entirely a possibility and one that I think – you know, the Canucks would be right to not just give away players ahead of the deadline. You know, Horvat already signed with the, the Islanders. Could Larkin sign? You know, that really does provide another area that you know, could, you know, see the trade market open up a little bit more. I, um, so I was, I was looking through ESPN today. They had a, uh, one of those polls sat, a top 10 poll, top 10 defensemen in the National Hockey League. And they asked players and executives over a span of time to, yeah. to vote on this list. Top 10 defensemen. And 
I don't necessarily have a major problem with the list, you know, based on the votes they got. They had a point system, and and that's how they had this ranking. So it's not just Greg Wyshynski giving his top ten defensemen in the league right now. It's a vote of players and and executives. It does tie into my thought that Quinn Hughes' season has been wildly underrated because he didn't even make the honorable mentions on this list. No, it's true. But Campus I mean, Lindholm, Devin yeah. Taves, Zach Wierenski, uh, Drew Doughty still on this list. You know, Moritz Sider, Josh Morrissey who's having a big year, Alex Pietrangelo. Like, yeah, sure, like all great defensemen. But for Quinn Hughes to be completely overlooked, not even a, uh, an honorable mention, I mean, that tells me his season – is going under the radar for how good it's been. I think it is going under the radar, but I also think that there are a lot of defensemen in the league that are playing really well right now. And I think there are a lot of guys in the league that defend far better than, than Quinn Hughes does. Okay. Like, the art of defense is more than just moving the puck and, and creating offense. And I'm not saying that's all Quinn does. He's been better defensively for sure. But, like, so I agree. You, okay. I would put him higher. But I, I don't think it's, it, it's egregious. Like, I don't look at any of those names and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe, you know, they chose Zach Wierenski ahead of Quinn Hughes. <laughs> well, Zach Wierenski hasn't played at, at all this year because of injury. So I think that actually helps him in this because, you know, if he was a part of this horrible Columbus Blue Jackets season, people would have a very different thought on Zach Wierenski. I think part of it is, yeah, the Canucks have been terrible this year. Defensively, they've been terrible this year, and Quinn Hughes is a part of that um, just by association. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've said it for uh, a little while now. Like, just look at Quinn Hughes' numbers. Uh, By goals for at five on five, only three players in the league have been on the ice for more goals for than he has. And even if you look at his goals against, it's just in the low 40s, so he's still well above the even mark he's plus 18 total at five on five and there's no other Canucks defenseman that's above even I I mean that's an incredibly stark contrast to the rest of his team so while I get you know there are some things he can still do better defensively sat in zone coverage and things of that nature I mean the numbers still speak pretty wildly of Quinn Hughes being a tremendous defenseman and how he's able to control goals on the ice. I don't disagree. He's really good. I mean, we, we, we think Quinn, I, I think Quinn Hughes is a top 10 defenseman in the league, but I don't get offended when people don't keep put him in the top 10 list. Yeah. Like, there are a lot of good defensemen in the league, right? And that's where I kind of find some issue with sometimes, you know, people getting up in arms. I think when you look at Pedersen, I think he's a surefire top 10 center. Like, surefire. I don't think you can make an argument. But, like, you go, go through these defensemen, I don't. Know, I can understand the argument, especially when you start okay. looking at some, some some of the strengths those guys have. Eric Carlson would not have been anywhere near this list last year. No, but look at the season he's having. He's having an incredible. You're, season. you're he's saying gonna he's going to win the, fir- the Norris. He's, he's, you're, he's, you're saying well, he's going to win the Norris. He's going to win the Norris because of how many points he's going to score. He's well, going to yeah. be the first defenseman to score 100 points. So he's going so to so win the Norris. It's hard to put Quinn ahead of him. Yeah, for but this year. you know, winning the Norris is kind of like winning a Gold Glove in baseball. How many Gold Gloves did Derek Jeter win when he's clearly not the best defenseman in? But neither is the best defensive shortstop in all of baseball. Well, neither is Quinn. and winning the Norris also has a prerequisite requisite of being good offensively as a defenseman. Well, right? yeah, but I mean, wait, wait, is, is Carlson bad defensively? I would like 
Carlson's got an element of like he's just thrown caution to the wind defensively this year. Yeah, to some degree, but at the same time, you he's look like, at I, I'm going to pad my stats. There was somebody in Vancouver that was kind of doing that too this year, and it worked out for them. Got the big contract out of it, and Eric Carlson is you know got people talking about him around the league again. He's skating better than he has in the last yeah. couple of years. I think he's put but in look, a ton of work. But the numbers but, are ridiculous. He's going to score thirty goals. Yes, Quinn has five. Five. <laughs> the guy's got thirty. Yes. Like, like the offense isn't even comparable, and 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 again, like I'm, I'm, it comes off as I'm trying to crap on Quinn, and I'm not. But I have no issue with this list. There's a couple of guys in the honorable mention. Yeah, I wish you would have seen Quinn get an honorable mention. But I also think that people look at Quinn and they say, all right, certain areas of the game he doesn't excel in defensively, and we have some reservations about that. You know, and I think that's where he kind of is going to take take it on the chin a bit. But to your point, the biggest you know issue is the fact that he plays on a really bad hockey team. <laughs> Really bad hockey team. Uh, the other defenseman on this list, uh, just to give uh, the listeners context for it, um, it is Kale McCarr at number one, Adam Fox number two, Victor Hedman number three, Roman Yossi at four, Charlie McAvoy at five, who I think is uh, maybe the best defensive defenseman in the league. Yeah. Uh, Eric Carlson at six. Seven is uh, Miro Heiskanen actually uh, – Heiskanen and McAvoy probably fight each other for best uh, defensive defenseman in the league. Heiskanen is ridiculously good. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, on the back of his fantastic season, is now on this top ten list. Yeah, Jacob Slavin made the list too, yep. right? Slavin and Heiskanen both made the list. Um, and then there's Dougie Hamilton at number ten. Yeah, and Dougie's pretty good. You know, like he, he has some some issues, Dougie Hamilton, but I, he, I, I put Quinn in right in that discussion. I think the more interesting discussion to me is tiering the defenseman. I think that's a discussion yeah. we should have, right? Like, it's easy to look at top 10. Like, let's look at tiers. Like, how many tiers do we have? Because I do think a lot of these guys that people are putting ahead of Quinn, they're in the same tier. Yeah. You can rank guys within the tier a little bit, but to me, I don't get worked up in that. It's because we're talking about the same grouping of defensemen. I think that's an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. Like, let's break down, like, not just what number you give them, but, like, what grouping should these guys be in? Because I think there's, like, one in one yeah. in the car. <laughs> And then it's like a group of like what Adam Fox, Heiskanen, and it's a like uh, others. it's like the forwards. There's yeah. the McDavid tier, and then there's like you know the Matthews tier after that. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. Hoping to connect with uh, some Canucks uh, coming up here shortly, as we are still at the Dyson Ice Gala here at the Fairmont Hotel, Vancouver, on Canuck Central. Canuck Central, we are in the mobile Kintech studio here at uh, the Fairmont Hotel Vancouver in support of the Dyson Ice Gala that is uh, supporting the Canucks for Kids Fund. Over $700,000 were collected in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund the last time the Dyson Ice Gala happened, which was way back in 2020. The before times, as I like to call them. The earlier times. Yes, uh, the earlier times. Uh, but here we are tonight in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund. Uh, you can be a part of it, too. Uh, head over to Canucks.com slash auction, and you can be a part of uh, some of the bidding for the online auctions that go in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund as well. Mobile Kintech studio here at the Fairmont Hotel, Vancouver. Kintech footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. And this hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. 
a lot of uh, reaction coming into that uh, latest conversation. Uh, sounds like a lot of talented D were left off. Slavin and Heiskanen, uh, they were both on the list. They were yes. actually seven and eight as uh, we talked about them, uh, but Hughes not on the list. Uh, you know, if you think about the tiers, it is really just uh, Makar, and then there is sort of a tier below that <laughs> for the best defenseman in the National Hockey League. Right yeah, now. there's like a there's a gr- different groupings, right? But I, I'd put what Fox, Hedman, um, Yossi? Heiskanen, Yossi into the same group, essentially. Like those guys would be in the same group to me, and then Makar is in a class of his own. And I don't think anybody else fits into that that group with those guys. Yeah, that's that's kind of it, you know. Uh, Heiskanen's never going to. Um, I don't know, man. If you wanted to, you could put up points. Like I, I think Miro, if you wanted to, you could put up fifty points if you wanted to. I don't I w- think there's a. I, I, I don't think his lack of production comes from an inability to produce. I was going to say Heiskanen's never going to win a Norris. I think. Ah, I hope he does. I, I think I he just know. gets devalued because he's not the same point producer as other guys are. Well, for instance, he has 40 points this year in 52 games. Yeah. Nowhere close to Eric Carlson. <laughs> no, it's true. But if, if he if he keeps building his rep, right, and yeah. has a couple 50-point years, he gets a 60-point year, he'll probably win a Norris somewhere. It, it, it almost is reminiscent of Doughty. You yeah. Know, it took Doughty a long time to win his first Norris. Carlson was uh, dominating for so many years, and Carlson probably could have won a couple more Norris trophies. Yeah through the early part of his of his uh, Ottawa tenure as well. You know, it's just the, the, the level of defenseman he was and just how incredible he was uh, in the early part of his career. But Heiskanen, McAvoy, uh, I think McAvoy ended up being a finalist last year, but um, I just don't know if they put up the same yeah. the same type of points that a Makar and Fox do to really end up winning the Norris. They, they might be, you know, second or third place all the time. Yeah, I mean, it could, right? And... I just think that's a disservice because I think those guys truly deserve to be in the discussion. Like yeah. I think Heiskanen should, and even I put McAvoy in that same discussion. Like McAvoy's right there, right? So I think that second tier would be McAvoy in that group as well with those guys. And like if you're looking at Quinn, that's two tiers he's not in. Yeah. Like is anybody putting him in that second tier? Really? I don't think so. I like Quinn a lot. Yeah, but you're not putting him in there. I mean, you, you, he, you, he hasn't reached that level yet. No. I mean, then if you look at who else is out there, you talk at, you talk, I mean. The, the one thing that all those players have, though, that Quinn hasn't had is a partner. Like, uh, mm-hmm. And Finn has just showed up here at Dyson Ice. And, uh, wow, he's got his ice on, does uh, Finn right now. <laughs> he's looking good. <laughs> Wearing a big gold necklace. Uh, you absolutely love to see it uh, from, from Finn on that front. So uh, the, the party is just getting started here. At, at Dice and Ice, and uh, you like to see that from uh, Finn, who's going to get the party going uh, here at, uh, at the uh, Dice and Ice Gala. But for Quinn Hughes, you know, the, the one thing he hasn't had yet that a lot of these other defensemen have had is the partner to match him or allow him to bring mm-hmm. out the best of himself. Yeah. Uh, Luke Chen has been a great find for the Vancouver Canucks, but you still kind of you'd like to find another level of player. Right. Well, even if, if you're being honest about it. Well, even this year, like, ever since Talkett came in, they're not playing on the same pair. Yeah. You know, like Bear again in practice today was paired up with uh, Quinn Hughes, so that looks like to be at least in the for the time being what they're exploring. Now, part of that could just be they know where the future lies with Shen because he's going to get traded, so you may as well have him working with the guy who's going to be here. It looks like to some degree, but that's a third pair guy, and I think for Quinn to move up the list, 
organizational stability is going to have to be a big part of it. And a lot of that also comes down to finding the right player with Quinn so you can build that out. And I think Quinn has the potential to put himself into that second tier. Like, I, I do. I think Quinn has the ability to put himself in that discussion. Yeah. But he's not, he's not there yet. You know? And I think there's a lot of work that has to be done. And I think it's a good point about having a better partner for him. And Sangria texted and, and was a bit critical about Quinn and all the things he does poorly and mentioned you've got to be able to break the cycle up. And I do think he's gotten better defensively, but there are certain areas of his game he does have to, I think, either shore up or find a way to overcome for him to really be considered a good defensive defenseman, right? And he's taken a lot of steps in that direction. But like, we're, we're nitpicking over whether he should be the ninth or 10th best defenseman in the league or perhaps be the 16th best defenseman in the league. Like, we're talking about a, a top 15, 16 defenseman in the league here that yeah. we're arguing about where he ranks in that grouping. Uh, Tones, these polls are all uh, subjective BS, same ones that didn't have PD as a top 50 player coming into the year. Anyone not U.S. or bigger market may as well not even bother. Now, this was a poll of players and executives around the National Hockey League. Yes. So, and, and hey, you can make the argument that those aren't always uh, the best judges of players because how much are they generally watching, especially um, you know, players around the league uh, as they're going through it? Are they watching a ton of other games around the league? Uh, sometimes I wonder. Yeah, but I, but yeah, I, I get it. But they, they've played against them, and they know. Yeah, I mean... Players know. They know to some degree. And I, I do think a lot of the shortcomings... And this is where it's also like, what areas of the game can you excel in to win to yeah. some degree? And I think Eric Carlson also just kind of gets the uh, the reputation bump, too. Right. You know, like, hey, and he's having a very productive season. Everybody knows how kind of like comeback player of the year type thing. Yeah, so that gets a little bit of love. I don't think anybody in their right mind, if they had a choice, is taking Eric Carlson over Quinn Hughes. Yeah, long term, yeah. Yeah, right? Or even, like, if both are available right now, you can sign one. I don't think anybody in their right mind is going out to sign Carlson over Hughes, right? Yeah. So there's that part of it, too. But, I mean, what's, what's, the, what's the lowest, what's the highest end you think Quinn can get to? Is it that second tier? I mean, Makar is untouchable. Like, he's not going to be Makar. And is the second tier even untouchable? Un un it shouldn't be. Unattainable? Not for a player as talented as Quinn. I think it comes down to shoring up a few of these things defensively and, you know, being on a better hockey team. Yeah. You know, you're on a better hockey team, your, your skills will shine a little bit more, right? And they will be highlighted. You'll get into playoffs, and people will see you in those moments and judge you differently on those. How good was Quinn in that bubble playoff, which uh, Patrick Alvin has now diminished <laughs> even further than it already had Significantly, been. yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, I think those are, are huge factors. I will say, like, did you, did you see um, Moritz Sider uh, defending Connor McDavid one-on-one -on -one yesterday? Yeah, it was great. I mean, Sider is in that discussion, too, that second tier. I mean... He, so I really liked how he defended him. And we just did, saw two games of Moritz Sider. We so. did. Like he's, he's really good. Part of it, and I guess you can say he, he, he kind of forced McDavid to lose the puck a little bit. I do think there's a sense of over overstating the play. Yes. Like he, he was in the right spot, and as soon as the puck went between he his legs. He did what a defenseman should do. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I think McDavid also kind of lost the puck a little bit. Yeah. Like you can see like he, he kind of lost control of the puck. And that's, hey, give Sider credit. He's in his space, does a move, doesn't get rattled. He's calm and cool. A great play, but I, I found it to be a little bit like 
this is the best defensive play we've seen all year. It's like, yeah, I know yeah. it's Connor McDavid, and he did a good job standing in front of him, but McDavid kind of lost control of the puck too. Yep. Like a little bit. <laughs> he just he just stood McDavid up. Yeah. You know? and, and a lot of guys have trouble with that. Uh, but Well, yeah, because what, what happens is guys just get so, like, afraid. Yes. And they'll just, like, their, their knees get weak, essentially. And you, they'll deer, just, like, you get deer in the highlight. Yeah. Deer in the headlights. And all he needs to do is put his shoulder down, and he'll just go right through you, and Sider didn't let him do that. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was a good clip. You should watch it uh, if you uh, missed it from yesterday, but uh, one that uh, I found pretty interesting uh, to see. Uh, keeping uh, this conversation going, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, I, I think a fake trade has somehow made it into the uh, the, the inbox as uh, Caribou Mark put a trade that was circulating through Fake hockey Twitter today. Fake uh, hockey. Is there a fake Twitter? Yes. Is it like Wario Twitter? Like, is it called <laughs> whatever the ones were that F people Twitter. tried to com? jump to when uh, they thought Twitter was going down? Uh, but it, it's funny because it says Eric Carlson, sixty-five percent retained. Already, you know it's fake. Sixty-five. Yeah, you can't retain sixty-five <laughs> percent. This is this is false. The truth. The devil's in the details. Sixty-five percent retained. It is not allowed. You can only retain up to fifty percent of a contract. In the National Hockey League. And um, I don't think there is a realistic scenario where somebody would take 50% of Eric Carlson's contract uh, for the Vancouver, like, in, in a trade, right? I mean, we're talking about a player that's making over $11 million. No team is going to retain 50% of Eric Carlson's deal for the remaining four years oh. to get a deal done. You know how much that would cost in assets to get that sort of a trade done? Oh, I mean, it wouldn't happen. <laughs> Just wouldn't, I mean, it's this, not going to happen. This is what I, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, what, what can you give San Jose for them to make, make it worthwhile, for them to hold back that much money? It, okay, for them to retain, what, like $4 million on, on each season? That's like $16 million. That's at least two first-round picks, just for the retention. So I, I, I was listening to, uh, what was it, Friedman, I think, and others were mentioning, I think Sarah Valley also mentioned that the ask was three first-round picks by San Jose. Yeah. And people are like, they're laughing at them. And it's like, why are people laughing? If, if you're asking them to hold back $4 million per season, that's like at least a first-round pick yeah. or two first-round picks for you to hold that back. And then the player has value as well. Yeah. Like, if you want us to retain that much money, it's going to be two first-round picks. Uh, it's uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here at the Dyson Ice Gala, and we are now joined tableside here by Canucks forward Dakota Joshua. Thanks for this, Dakota. How's it going? Yeah, no problem. Uh, just uh, out here uh, having a good night and yeah. uh, doing uh, charity work, which is uh, always a good time. It's your first Dyson Ice Gala. Have you, have, have, has anybody told you the many tales of the Dyson Ice? I'm still uh, <laughs> learning about it as we go here. Um, yeah, it is my first one, so I'm, I'm not really sure what I have in store tonight, but here to find out. Well, and, and as far as how the year's gone, we all know it's been an up and down year, but yeah. for you personally, I mean, uh, when the organization went out and signed you, I know uh, from management they talked about how they believe that you have some more to give and you can become like a core player here even and do a lot more. And, you know, obviously a coaching change has happened and yeah. the new coach has also spoken a lot about the things you can provide. 
And you've had a successful season. I know the goal got taken away from you and Lazar got in your way, man. I mean, if Lazar <laughs> moves his shoulder or something, maybe the goal is yours. But regardless, yeah. it's been a productive year. Like, how, how does it feel coming to this new city but also trying to find another level to your game this year? Oh, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I will say uh, it hasn't been an easy process. We haven't really made it uh, anything easy on ourselves mm -hmm. this year. But uh, coming in was a little bit of a feeling-out process to start and get things going. Obviously, it got off to a little... Uh, shaky start and haven't really been able to right the ship but uh personally no just using the bright spots that i have had in the season and just trying to uh gain confidence off of that and and, and build it into something more that that happens more consistently for sure uh with with the new coach uh, it's it, it, he kind of joked about it a little bit being like it's it's like training camp right now for us uh, kind of trying to get everything implemented right now yeah yeah for sure it, it definitely has that feel um obviously with the new staff coming in um they want to implement uh, the, their style and, and put their, their imprint on our, on our new style of play. So uh, you only can, can get there by little steps at a time, and, and, and that's a process that we're going through right now. When it comes to systems, like, is there big differences coach to coach, or is it points of emphasis that really are the big difference? Uh, I would say that uh, points of emphasis is a, is a good way to describe it. Uh, not so much a... Uh, an overall night and day switch, but just uh, the the little details that maybe uh, not all of us were aware of before, and uh, um, keying in on those and making sure that that becomes you know um, just uh, right off the top of the head, and you don't have to think or second guess yourself about doing it. Well, uh, with a new coach, also comes some new terminology, at least from us when we hear a talk and speak to the media. And one of the things he's talked about, a couple of things he's talked about, is developing inside guys and wall guys. And you're somebody who can thrive on the boards you can get to the net as well what's that kind of process been like to try to get you to another level on the boards and trying to get you to become that type of player that can make more of an impact there yeah yeah once again uh just learning learning from the new staff and mm -hmm. and trying to understand better uh better ways to get there once again more consistently which is has been a big uh, problem for us as a team this year is doing things consistently so just finding new techniques and uh seeing different minds behind uh, the thought process uh, process on how yeah. to get there, um, you know, it's very helpful for me, and I'm trying to uh, soak in and take as much of it uh, as I can. In. How do you how do you like the city so far? Love love Van City. Love Van City. It's, yeah. a, it's a great time. Wish uh, we uh, could have had some more better performances for the city to really uh, get it going in the right direction this year, but um, that unfortunately – um, we got to end strong here and, and build towards uh, making it better next year. What what has kind of what have you learned about some of the players in the team as the season's gone on? I mean, it hasn't been easy, but there are a lot of guys still here that obviously care. But is there something you learned about the group as the season went on that maybe you didn't expect? Oh uh, yeah, just uh, to look back and realize how much adversity that some of the core guys have gone through in the last few years mm -hmm. um, has really came to the the forefront this year. Obviously, with with what's gone on. Um, so to see and recognize that, you know, some of these guys have, have been through a lot in a short period of time, and um, they're, they're willing to, to stick, stick through the hard times and, uh, you know, willing to put their best foot forward to, to make things better. And so it's, uh, it's nice to see, and it, it makes an easy environment to work in. Before we let you go, as a Michigan guy, Michigan guy going to Ohio State, yeah. what was that like? Uh, yeah, that was uh, – Worked out for the better, and I yeah. never go back and change my decision. But definitely got a lot of heat, heat <laughs> yeah. uh, back home from my my friends and family about uh, making that choice. And then even uh, going to Ohio State, uh, I was a little quiet on when uh, yeah. it came to saying where you're from. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, a great time and uh, 
wouldn't change it. Hey, uh, I'm a Browns fan, so anytime I see Michigan guys come over to Ohio or, or join the Browns or Ohio State, I always got to laugh out of it. So <laughs> yeah. I'm there with them. Yeah, 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 for sure. And uh, I became a Browns fan too during my, my stint in Ohio. Uh, another team that uh, hasn't really been on the right side of things all the time, but, yeah. you know, get, heading in the right direction. It'll get better. It'll exactly, get better. Exactly. Yeah, it will. Always got next year. Exactly. Always hope. Always hope. Appreciate you, uh, Dakota. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, here. thanks. You guys have a great night. Uh, there is uh, Dakota Joshua here at the Dyson Ice Gala at the Fairmont Hotel, Vancouver. Uh, up to eight goals. Uh, thought he had one last night, but it was oh. taken away from him uh, as uh, it uh, was ended up Curtis Lazar's goal. It didn't even cross my – like, I didn't even register it to me that it tipped off anybody until I saw the scoring change. I'm like, scoring change? Lazar got credited with the goal? And I went back and watched. I'm like, oh. Like, it didn't, I didn't even think of it for a moment. Like, I was surprised when I saw the scoring change. I thought it was a mistake. Yeah. I'm like, that was clearly Dakota Joshua's goal. Like, what are you talking about here? And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, I, like Nick Lazar on the way in. That was an interesting shift. Uh, he uh, takes the big hit from Jacob Truba. But, you know, what I, what I liked about it afterwards, he kind of composed himself and then makes a few good plays that end up yeah. building towards the goal. It starts in his own end, a good, clean, controlled zone exit, gets the zone entry afterwards. Instead of throwing the puck aimlessly towards the net, uh, he does a little bit of a fake and you know drops yeah. it back to the point man. And Quinn Hughes, you know, creates the chaos with the shot on net. Yeah, and you know he, he did challenge Truba too, and Truba didn't oblige. Yes. And if, if Truba obliges with the challenge, Bo don't get the goal, <laughs> right? So, uh, but hey, he did everything right on that play. Like he he got hit. He challenged the guy. He didn't fight. And instead of, you know, chasing him down and taking a penalty and, you know, being petty about it or not doing the right thing, he got involved in the play. And, you know, give him credit for scoring that goal. And there's there's a lot there to his game. And if he can develop that wall play a bit more, you know, the inside play that we hear um, talk and speak about so much, like there's something there. Like the Canucks don't have players like him. And players like him are more and more rare in the league where a guy has some size, can get on the forecheck, isn't afraid of fighting, and can give you a little bit of scoring. Like, you know, he's gonna he's he's got what? Uh, eight goals and fourteen points in fifty two games. Yeah. For a bottom for bottom sixth, fourth liner who's gonna be gritty, be physical, it gets you ten goals and does all those things, it's not easy to find. No. Nope. You know, and the only question is can you become safer? Can you become a better all around player? And maybe become a little nastier. We, uh, we raved about Alex Chason putting up 10-plus goals in a fourth-line role last year, but you know, half of those goals came on the power play. Yeah. Dakota doesn't play power play minutes. No, this is like pure production, pure secondary depth scoring production coming at, from Dakota Joshua. Yeah, at 5-on-5, uh, at five five, so something you absolutely like to see. Uh, Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah here at the uh, Dyson Ice Gala and uh, uh, some – Nice old lady just uh, came and dropped us a uh, glass of red wine. I, I no, she said, like, I'm going to put my <laughs> wine here while I go and take a picture is what she said. Okay. Yes. Well, very, very well. Uh, you know. <laughs> okay. So be it. All, all good here. Uh, and uh, this great reference here on the uh, Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Sounds like you guys are at the Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a curse word we can't read. That's also yes. saying it's perfect. If you know the Step Brothers reference. Then you know. Uh, if, you if, know the full. If you know, you know. If you right? know, you know. Well, and, and, you know. All that's missing is... Uh, Will Ferrell singing uh, Conte Partido. Well, one thing we didn't know is that uh, Randy Janda and Sonia Aslam are emceeing this event. We just found out now. I mean, we work for communication uh, <laughs> industry, very yes. commu commu communications program, yet the communication in our communications uh, company is not very good no. sometimes. So, yeah, Randy and uh, Sonia Aslam are emceeing this event.
So it is going to be like the Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> it is absolutely <laughs> going to be the Catalina wine mixer. Um, it, it's, it's a big event. You can check it out, uh, and you can be a part of it in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund. Just head over to Canucks.com slash auction. Check out some of the fine things that are available there. And uh, you can be a part of the Dice and Ice Gala. There are some incredible things for you to be able to bid on. Again, that is Canucks.com slash auction in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund. Canucks are off tomorrow, mm-hmm. I believe. Finally getting a day off from the coach. Yeah. I think that's part and parcel with them being here at the Dice and Ice Gala tonight. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is this is one of those events. I mean, they made sure to practice today. This, you know, or we're a little bit later practice around noon, 11.30 yeah. at UBC. But uh, this is one of those events where players have a lot of fun. They yep. interact with people, and well, you get a few NDS. So I mean, we have had some great videos come out of this event. Exactly, past, right? right? So it's one of those things. It's like let the guys have fun. They yeah. practice, you know, the last few games. Let them have fun tonight. Was Take it the day ben off Hutton tomorrow. Dance from many years ago. Ben Hutton, Alex Edler. I mean, just just YouTube Dice and Ice yeah. Canucks, and you'll see all the all the festivities and all the dances and. Uh, the stuff all the rookies are have to done over the years. I can only imagine what uh, Andre Kuzmenko might have to get up to today. Do they count him as a rookie for tonight's event? Oh, he's a first-year NHL. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. You know, so uh, it, it could be part of the possibility. I did want to talk about Andre Kuzmenko uh, for a moment here, just before uh, we sign off for today's show. That move last night, Sat. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I went home and watched it a thousand times over again. Oh, I mean, it's it is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen a player do in tight space in it, a hockey game. It's absurd, and I do think I, I think Adam Fox was just confused, <laughs> right? Because he was like, he just I, I I think he just thought, oh, he's he's going back, he'll pass the puck, and he's like, he just keep what what? And like, <laughs> and next thing you know, he was past them, right? And I I, I don't know if I'll see that play again because no. like it was a perfect combination of all the penalty killers were kind of. The only guy that was close to him was Fox, and all the other guys were in front of him. Yeah. So there was no threat of him getting blindsided going back. So I think that allowed him the freedom and the confidence to keep going and, and keep uh, working his edges and going backwards because there was no threat of getting blown up doing it. And then Fox, was just, I think he got confused. I, yeah. I don't think Fox was expecting he, he kept expecting him to pass the puck. It's one of those moments where you don't recognize the danger. Yeah. Right. And next, you know, guys by you. It's like, what just happened? Yeah. yeah. And it's Adam Fox. Like, it's yeah. a Norris Trophy winning defenseman. I think the only disappointing part about this uh, was that um, the only disappointing part about this was that, you know, uh, Andre Kuzmenko ended up hitting the crossbar instead of, you know, actually scoring the goal. But it ends up getting scored by Connor Garland in the end. And, uh, you know, he scores uh, the extra goal in the third period as well. An incredible night watching uh, what Andre Kuzmenko can do and a reminder of why, you know, his builds and uh, trying to continue to build the rest of his game could see him develop into an even more impactful player for the Vancouver Canucks in the next couple of years. Uh, all right, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. We are uh, signing off from the Canucks Dice and Ice Gala. Again, head over to Canucks.com auction, and you can get in on some of the fine things to bid on in support of the Canucks for Kids Fund. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you tomorrow as we'll have a mailbag and lots more to come on Canuck Central on Sportsnet 650.